It's that time of the week again. It is the 3 and D podcast. I'm your host, Justin Lewis. As always, you can find me on Twitter at J underscore Timberfake underscore. You can find the podcast at 3 and D pod. And as always, we are also part of the uh, Grizzly Bear Blues family of podcasts. And you can find Grizzly Bear Blues at grizzlybearblues.com and SBN Grizzlies on Twitter. So a little bit of timeline uh, for you. I... With our guests, we were supposed to record, uh, I think this time last week, and we had to reschedule. And then the next day, I had to reschedule because my wife wanted to take an impromptu trip to DeSoto County, uh, which led to the next day having to reschedule because I had to go buy her a car because we're expecting our first son. Um, And then we went to record on Tuesday, and connection was terrible. And so, thankfully, our guest has been very patient and... uh, gracious with his time uh joining us on this episode is none other than the voice of memphis grizzlies eric hasseltine eric thanks for being on how you doing i'm good justin how are you i'm doing well i'm glad that uh you didn't shut me down after Ah. i had to reschedule several times welcome guess what welcome to parenthood it's gonna be like this the rest of your life so (laughs) enjoy it i know from i know from experience well, uh, I'm excited about this episode. We're going to talk about a couple things that's, that's going on with the NBA and, and the Grizzlies in particular. So I'm going to start off with our uh, return to play scenarios. I know yeah. there's a lot of stuff that's kind of in the works. The call with Kyrie Irving that took place last night and the players, but we were not we're not going to jump into that. Um, so on on GrizzlyBearBlues.com, I explored uh, different scenarios of return to play. Uh, whether it was just jumping in straight into the playoffs or it was a um, single elimination tournament or finishing out the season in a AAU-style bubble in Orlando. Um, but the, the concern for everybody is that the Grizzlies had a three-and-a-half game lead over a couple teams, and any return to play should have honored that. And I feel like the – the league did do that with the, this style of uh, play returning. What are your thoughts on how um, the NBA is returning and, and the advantage that it has for Memphis? Well, I think it, it it's it's fair. I mean, I, I think there was never going to be a scenario where everybody was going to be happy because we're obviously dealing with something we've never seen before. Um, I, I'm a big believer in you got to play your way in. I, I know the guys like to compete. Um, we'll see – if anybody decides that they're not going to play or play, that that's well within their right. You know, you're hearing all kinds of different reports of guys speculate this, guys speculate that, speculation of when next season starts, whether there'll be fans, yada yada yada. There's all those things going on, and I think we're just in a situation where we just have to take each day and and you know, it's it's a it's a new page and and it's something no one's ever experienced before. So the fact that we can get back to playing and finish out what I felt has been a pretty remarkable season. So many great storylines, the um, the rise of the Bucks in the East and, and the way that they've played all season long, how incredibly efficient they were chasing 70 wins. Um, is Boston going to have enough in the tank to, to make a deep run? Is Philadelphia built the way they want to be to make a run in that Eastern Conference as well? Where does Indiana sit in that mix? Um, there's all kinds of great storylines there. Miami's emergence with you know just basically Jimmy Butler and a bunch of guys that, that anybody could have had um, and the, the incredible job Eric Spolstra has done coaching that team. The East has been interesting. Um, I think it's been a higher caliber of play in the East even though as you get out of the top six it's a little bit different look to it. So 
you get over to the West, and obviously the story is LeBron and Anthony Davis in Los Angeles, and then on the other side of the same building, you got Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, and when you mix in Patrick Beverly, that's an incredibly potent defensive perimeter, and, and on top of that, two guys that can score at will, and, and you know, with the Clippers and Paul George and and uh, and Kawhi, and then the question is, is it going to work in Houston with this way they've been playing, and they've doubled down on the small ball by trading Clint Capella at the deadline, Oklahoma City sticking around despite losing Russell Westbrook and getting Chris Paul, and him really being a true leader. A lot of people questioned if Chris could do that, and he's proven a lot of the doubters completely wrong. He's been fantastic. And Dallas's emergence with Luka Doncic, and, you know, I don't want to leave anybody out. Denver's in there too. The the mix of the really good teams in the West, and then the emergence of the Grizzlies and other young teams, like what the Pelicans will look like moving forward, the Kings will look like moving forward. Is Portland constructed a way where they can remain competitive in this uh, ridiculously deep Western Conference. Is this the end of the Spurs run, making it to the playoffs, and what will Greg Popovich do in the future? So I'm happy that we get a chance to to answer a lot of those questions, even though it'll be about nine games short of a full season. Um, I think you have a pretty good gauge of that. I think the way they structured it, where if you have a four-game lead, you don't have to do the play-in. If it's less than four, um, then you know you have to be beaten twice by the ninth-place team inviting Phoenix, why not give them a shot? You, you, you even out the teams that way. You invite Phoenix and you invite Washington. There was obviously some sort of scheduling thing there. I think that they felt like made it easier if there were two more teams. And you get more revenue for the games that you've lost. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. The NBA is a business and, and the business is, uh, is booming when before this hit. The, the, the television ratings were, were starting to creep back up and you know, people will debate that all day long, but with LeBron playing at a high level in a major market like Los Angeles and Giannis playing the way he was playing and uh, a lot of the things going in the right direction, you know, it, it was a good year. And so um, it'll be it'll be interesting to watch what happens now, how they schedule it out, what they do with the with the teams and how they plan to play it out. What happens if a team like Phoenix loses their first two or three games? Do they decide to shut a guy like Devin Booker down, knowing that there's no benefit? They can't catch anybody. They can't get into the nine spot. We see this at the end of every season. And if they do, so be it. You know what? But I'm sure the NBA is going to have conversations with them saying, hey, if we send you, you got to try to play it out all eight games as best you can. But when there's no benefit for them to being there and, and playing it out and possibly risking injury to a guy that's a cornerstone for their future... You know, it's hard to understand what the what their mentality will be until we see it. So I think it's going to be really intriguing to see how guys react with no fans. I think it's going to be really intriguing to see what they decide to do, um, you know, with where, you know, for myself included, where broadcasters are calling games from, whether it's on site, which great, I'll be happy to go. If it's not on site and they say, hey, we're trying to limit the number of people there as best we can. We're going to have you do it from X, Y, or Z location, whether it's a studio, whether it's somewhere uh, else. I, I, I don't know. Who knows? And I, I, quite honestly, it's not a big deal to me. If, if it's not there, I get it. Um, you're, you're limiting numbers of people that are going to be around each other on a consistent basis. You're also calling a game in an empty arena with no fans, no noise, no nothing. Your voice carries. You know, all of us have deep voices, so... Uh, you don't want to say something about a call an official makes or a play a player makes that gets misconstrued because they hear half of it because they're focusing on the game and have there be some sort of issue there. So we'll see. 
I mean, I, I, I think it wouldn't be a bad idea to not be there. I think it would be a fine idea to be there because you get a better sense of the game. So there's a lot of questions to be answered, and a lot of people are wondering how it's going to work out. In the end, I, you know, Adam Silver's made some really difficult decisions in his tenure as commissioner. This is by far, I think, the most difficult situation any of the pro sports commissioners have had to go through. And, you know, you see the struggles baseball's having. You see how the NFL's handled their business. You see how hockey decided to do their situation. And now it's kind of thrown the calendar year off. And what was the norm may not ever be the norm again. We may see where the NBA now starts their season every year around Christmas time or in December, which is that a terrible thing? No, it, it bumps into baseball. It shifts things around a little bit more. But, you know, those first month and a half of the season where you're fighting with the NFL and people are still really into the early part of an NFL season because when you start training camp in October, the NFL's four games in. A lot of teams still have a pretty good shot. There may be a couple teams 0-4, but if you're 2-2 two and two or even 1-3, and three, if you win three or four games in a row, all of a sudden your team's talking about the playoffs. And so every, every week is kind of focused on that for a while, and then the NBA really starts taking a hold of fans and getting people back around the Christmas Day games when they start making national, you know, real national TV debuts. I don't want to say TNT is not national TV, but like over the air, you know, top four, you know, the, the, not top four. I'm, I'm trying to say this right because TNT does such a great job covering it. But when you're talking about ABC games, they, they start on Christmas Day. And that's when, you know, you have Sunday afternoon games again because there's no more football. So we'll see. It's, it's going to be a really, really interesting next six to, to ten months, in my opinion, where we figure this out and, and we try to get the 21 22 season going or 2021 season going as best as possible yeah i think something um that we we kind of have hinted at and we've talked about is the importance of the schedule um and you brought it up with um with phoenix do they do they sit guys out when they realize that they're out well i think the same thing kind of goes with if they come back with we're going to play the first eight games of teams that are remaining in orlando um the eighth game for memphis would be boston well is Boston, they don't have anything to really fight for because seeding's not going to matter that much because right. home court isn't going to be a deal. Yeah, you get to have maybe your, your wood on the floor there that has your logo on it. But <laughs> Yeah, I've heard that story. Yeah, so like, is Boston going to have anything to play for? I mean, do you want to risk injury um, to to a Kimball Walker or a Jason Tatum right before you're going into, right. you know? And at that point, we just come off two games against New Orleans, which are going to be complete battles. Personally, I think the way they should do the schedule is that those teams that are fighting for that eight seed, they should just play each other, and then you get a better sense of who earned it. Um, but who knows? Well, here's the thing about that. Let me jump in. These are the teams remaining on the Grizzlies' schedule. The Blazers, the Jazz, the Spurs, the Thunder, the Bucks, the Pelicans twice, the Raptors twice, the Celtics, the Mavericks, the Blazers again, so the Blazers twice, the Thunder twice, the Nuggets, the 76ers, and the Rockets. Basically, every team on the Grizzlies' remaining schedule, but one, that was the New York Knicks, is going to be in Orlando. So you can pick eight games out of your group. I think that they need to play, for sure, the two against Portland, for sure, the two against New Orleans, and for sure, the one against San Antonio. Now, what did New Orleans had a game remaining with Sacramento? Did Portland have any remaining with Sacramento? Did they have any remaining with San Antonio? Did they have any remaining with Phoenix? The Grizzlies were done with Sacramento and Phoenix. You got to play those five, and then maybe you play the Rockets, the Thunder, and 
and the Mavericks because they were all on your schedule, especially with the Thunder being there twice. Maybe you play the Raptors because you hadn't played them, so that's one that you mix in there. You've already played the Bucks once. You've already played the Celtics. You give them one against the Raptors. You give them one against the Thunder because that was twice, and you give them one against either Dallas or Houston, whatever you want to do. It's going to be interesting because the Grizzlies are the unique team that had, of their 17 games remaining, 16 against those teams. Now, they had won some games against those teams. That's why people were talking about, you know, this is why they need to play it in. And I understand Grizzlies fans saying, hey, look, you played 65 games and you were 32 and 33. The one that stings a little bit is that last game at home against Orlando where you let a lead slip away. Had you won that and gone in at 33 and 32 and been four and a half games ahead of everybody, um, I think there could be a different taste in people's mouths about this. That might have eliminated Phoenix from the mix right there. But they didn't, and that's the situation you're faced with, and now you got to play your way in. Yeah, and I think, too, um, what we what we got to remember is that Memphis kind of dodged a bullet with this format mm-hmm. because New Orleans had the easiest schedule in the NBA remaining. Yes, they did. And now their schedule just got harder. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And we went from the hardest to now our schedule is a little bit more comparable to everybody else's or is going to be. So this has really worked out um, maybe for the best in, in Memphis's favor besides going straight to the playoffs. Um, but you wouldn't want to do that because you wouldn't want to have um, all this time off a little bit of a training camp, and then you're jumping right into a seven-game series that matters. These eight games, especially for the teams that have already solidified their spot in the playoffs, are kind of your warm-up, get back into the flow of things type deal. Um, and Memphis needs that too. So with with that training camp, that time to, to get ready for the playoffs, the Grizzlies have a unique situation where they're basically adding uh, – a new player into the mix in Justice Winslow. Yeah. How much of an impact do you think that's going to be with the fact that the talent level he is, but also the fact that no team has seen the Grizzlies with Winslow in the lineup? Well, he's no stranger to, to teams. They know him. Um, it's, a, it's a boost. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, Kyle Anderson's played well, but Justice is a more athletic, stronger upper body, really good perimeter defender. He's there. You're not necessarily losing anything with the outside shot because Kyle Anderson's not a real outside threat in his own right, but Justice had been improving that. So if they can get his three-point shot somewhat consistent, you get that boost. Kyle gets to the basket with incredibly efficient moves that kind of throw people off because they seemingly, as they call him, slow-mo, go in slow motion. But they're just long strides, and he knows where to go with those long strides. Justice is a little more explosive going to the rim, a little more explosive running the floor. Kyle's probably a little bit better ball handler. He's played point guard. So I think it's a boost because you add your depth. The question becomes, is Grayson Allen healthy to go? Will he be ready to go? Because he was done for the year. You know Jaron Jackson was ready to go. Brandon Clark will be ready to go. We'll see who takes an injury in any of those eight games. Does somebody get hurt? How much of an impact does that have? Look, Utah's been impacted by an injury to Bogdanovich. San Antonio's impacted by the injury to LaMarcus Aldridge. You know somebody else at some point's probably going to turn an ankle, tweak a knee, whatever. You hope it doesn't happen, but it's the NBA, and guys get dinged up every single night. So how does that impact it as well? So, yeah, I mean, they, they catch a little break because they don't have to play all 17 games. And like you said, New Orleans was there. But they had two games together, and although New Orleans 
really had two great game plans. The first game they bombed away from three and hit, I think, 14 in the first half in New Orleans. The second game in Memphis, they took the ball inside in that first half. The Grizzlies went out to the perimeter and tried to shut that off, and the, and the Pelicans attacked the rim and kind of caught them off guard and built the lead. The Grizzlies in both games made a little bit of a run, but it just wasn't enough. So um, I get that's why the people in New Orleans are saying we got to play these games. And, and I, I think one of the reasons why... We decided, you know, the NBA decided to play some of these out because the Kings had a 3-1 season series win over the Grizzlies. If they would have finished tied for the eighth seed, um, then they would have been there. And if you think about it, let's just say that March 12th game had taken place. None of this had happened. March 11th, Kings-Pelicans, they play. Whoever wins that game is now three games behind the Grizzlies. Well, the next night, the Grizzlies are in Portland. They're three and a half games behind them. If they lose that game, now Portland and either Sacramento or... New Orleans are two and a half games behind the Grizzlies with 16 left to play. That's not as insurmountable as saying four or even, you know, three. I mean, that's, you're now striking distance, especially if, it, you know, they had one more game to play. So let's just say the Grizzlies, the next one's a loss because every team was a playoff type team. Now you're two games with 14 games left to play. That's a big difference. It doesn't sound like a lot, but one game is a big difference. And so, I'm all for it, and like you said, I think the Grizzlies catch a little bit of a break, but I'd love to see them play New Orleans because I want to see NBA fans get to see that one-versus-two matchup for all four games. The you know the Grizzlies didn't see New Orleans when they didn't have Zion Williamson. They've only seen him with them with Zion Williamson, and that's been fun to watch those two guys go toe-to-toe. Yeah, no doubt, and when we talk about the teams that were included and, and having to play it out, if, if I'm not mistaken, I believe the Sacramento Kings were the hottest team out of this group um, as when play was kind of uh, cut off on us. Um, New Orleans doesn't have that great of a record with, with Zion in the lineup. Um, the Trailblazers, Damian Lillard had his hot streak where he was scoring 50, 60 points, um, but they were still struggling to win games while doing that. Um, Memphis, I think, was right there with Sacramento. Um, so, anything could happen with with these young teams and that's the thing is a lot of these teams except for san antonio are are young teams that are learning and and trying to figure things out um and the hit to lamarcus aldridge kind of you don't want to rule popovich out because he's the greatest coach in nba history uh in my opinion so you never know what he can pull off right um but aldridge i just remember the one game i got to go to this year was this december 23rd game against the spurs where aldridge couldn't miss um, I'm pretty sure he had like 40 points in the first half alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I remember that. That's a that's a big hit for that team. Uh, so, with let's just take the scenario that Memphis either holds off um, the nine seed or they they win that playoff, and we're now facing the Los Angeles Lakers in the first round with a rookie point guard, and then your second-year player, um, your second-best player is a second-year player. Yeah. Um, now, people want to say that, well, why does everybody want to fight for the eight seed to go get swept by Los Angeles? Personally, I don't think that's what would happen. We did beat the, the Lakers pretty easily the last time that we played them, and they were at full strength. It, it, and with a night, they had a night off, and the Grizzlies played the previous night and lost to Sacramento in a game that went down to the wire. So it was a, that was a surprising win the way it went down. But, yeah, not to cut you off, I, I'm a big believer in any playoffs are good playoffs. I don't care if you go get swept. Playoff experience is invaluable in this league. Ask Denver last year. They were the number two seed. They got in the playoffs for essentially the first time with that group. They had missed it by a game the previous two years. And then they turned the corner. 
But when they got into playoff basketball, it's a different level. That's a team right now I think can be really dangerous because now they have that taste. Now they're coming back. Think about the Grizzlies' first three years where they got swept all four years, or all three years. The first time they got in, they played San Antonio, who was just a buzzsaw. The second time they got in, they played a, a Phoenix team that should have gone to the NBA Finals and didn't. And that was because Pau Gasol had been injured. The third time they got in, they just didn't, they still couldn't find a way to get over the hump. They were playing the Red Hot Mavericks team that went to the NBA Finals because the seeding system back then was different. And the Clippers actually tanked their last game uh, so they could play Denver and host the series because Denver was going to win the the Midwest Division or the Northwest Division, whatever you're calling it now. Um, And the Grizzlies played to win and they ended up with a five seed. But because the division winners got the top three automatically, Denver was the three and Dallas was the four. Had that been the rules of today, Dallas would have been the two seed and the Grizzlies would have played Denver and had home court advantage that way. And the Clippers, who knows, they would have played it out. So whatever, that's why they changed that rule. But when they got through those, you could see the difference in them. Even though they got swept, there was a difference in their attitudes going into the playoffs. They had more playoff experience. And then go back to the years where they won that that series against San Antonio where they were the eighth seed. Well, why did they win it? They had guys that had been there. Zach Randolph had been there. Shane Battier had been there. They were able to put their arms around. Tony Allen had been there. They were able to look at Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol and say, this is what it's going to take. You guys, ha- you two haven't been here before. You're a big part of this. Courtney Lee had been there. He went to the finals as a rookie. They had loads of playoff experience all over that roster. Denver had none last year. The Grizzlies right now have none other than Valanciunas and really Kyle Anderson and Justice Winslow a little bit. But other than that, they don't have much. You need Jaron to get playoff experience. You need Ja to get playoff experience. You need Tyus Jones to get playoff experience. If Grayson Allen can go, and I wouldn't be a big fan of rushing that with the type of injury it was. It was one that he could recover from. You need him, but you need him more for the future. You've got a, a, a nice piece for your rotation. But he's been there with Utah, but he needs that playoff experience. Those guys, Gorgie Jang doesn't have that playoff experience. He'll need it. Brandon Clark will need that playoff experience moving forward. DeAnthony Melton, who's been sensational, needs that those type of games. Because you'll see it. They'll get in those games, and there'll be this moment for them where you go, okay, now they get it. Now they understand what this is about. And it's, it's almost impossible to put into words. But when you've seen it up close and personal or you've been in a playoff game, you know what I'm talking about. It's just a different intensity. Fouls that are called in the regular season aren't called. You have to absorb contact. You have to get in, be able to get into guys' bodies and play physical. Uh, you have to expect that big players are going to, big time players are going to take over games and try to dominate more so than give up the basketball in the regular season, trying to get guys into a rhythm. LeBron James ain't giving up the ball down the stretch unless it's to Anthony Davis if the Lakers are in a tight ball game. No offense to Contavious Caldwell-Pope or some of the other guys on the roster, but if you think you're wide open in the corner and going to get that feed, you better be like literally wide open and the popcorn vendor is the only guy between you and the basket, and you better be confident to take the shot. And that's a lot of trust and factors there, and that's with a young team. That'll get built too if they make it. So I know what people are saying. I would rather get there. Um, some people say, why not take your shot at the lottery? Maybe you get lucky again and you hang on to your pick. I'm not, I'm not playing that way. I, I want them to play to win. I want them to learn how to win. I want them to learn how to win in crunch situations. I want them to learn how to win tough ball games. And I want them to learn what it's going to take to win at the next level because 
with the way the roster is constructed, with such an unbelievable job that Zach Kleeman and Rich Cho and Glenn Grunwald and Tayshawn Prince have done putting this roster together, they're set for years. To, I mean, their they're guys are all coming back. The one that's up in the air right now essentially is DeAnthony Melton with his pending free agency. And he loves it here. I can't blame DeAnthony if he cashes in on what's been a really strong season for him in his second year in the league. But I also would understand if he said, hey, I'll take the mid-level exemption to be part of this because he's a big part of what they have going on. And you look at how deep they can go, 11 guys deep, 12 guys deep, 13 guys deep. And we don't even talk about Marco Guterich, who when he plays with confidence, can be an asset. He's just learning the NBA game. And I know some fans have been a little bit down on Marco because he's played a little passive and he kind of lost his spot in the rotation when Grayson Allen was healthy. But And DeAnthony Melton stepped in and played so well and he got healthy. But the fact is, Marco has had a couple of games that's really helped the Grizzlies because he was aggressive and I think he understands it more. But if he wants to go back overseas after this and it's not for him, I understand that too. That happens a lot with some guys coming over from Europe. But they've got a chance to have a really deep roster and players emerge and get better and elevate their games a lot like the way Denver has done and gone from a team fighting for the eighth spot to now a team fighting for home court advantage. Yeah, that's something that I was going to bring up to you as well is in, in this first year of this front office's uh, tenure, I think they've built the deepest team that Memphis has ever had. Uh, this is the most talent from top to bottom that I think I've ever seen uh, the Grizzlies roster, and, and I believe that's why they have a decent chance to – Maybe not upset the Lakers in the first round because it is LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but maybe steal a game or two um, yeah. because of that depth. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're not in the playoffs because you stink. And the fact of the matter is, you're right, that the Grizzlies beat the Lakers in Memphis. Um, they, to my recollection, got hammered by them once. Um, but they also you know, fought with them in a game in February in Los Angeles that started a back-to-back and and a road trip that was just brutal. Lakers, Clippers, Rockets right out of the break um, after, you know, Sacramento uh, was the first game out of the break that they lost by four, but they were were in that game and they started the game in November playing well and then it was Anthony Davis just basically ramped it up and killed them and then the home game they lost by one point where they led most of the way. They haven't just gone and laid down. You know, Anthony Davis shoots 27 free throws in the, the first win in Los Angeles for them. They lose by one at home in a game where the Lakers came back. Um, they lose by 12 in Los Angeles, but a game that didn't get, you know, pulled away from until later. And so, you know, they, they've played well. And, you know, I, I, I just don't think that you ever shy away from an opportunity to compete at the highest level. So anybody that thinks, oh, you're better off not making it, I, I just don't buy it. I just don't buy it. The draft's not an exact science. Guys aren't always just surefire things unless it's a number one overall pick, and you're not going to get that unless you get incredibly lucky. And granted, you don't have an opportunity to get lucky if you make the playoffs, but for my, for my dollar, unless this team was a team that was going to be totally dismantled at the end of the year, everybody was going to go their separate ways, and you really had no shot in the playoffs, this is the exact opposite. This team's going to stay together. They've got a great young head coach. They've got a great coaching staff with them. They've got a lot of trust in that front office. They're making the right moves. They've really added the pieces they wanted to add. The guys that they acquired in the offseason that had expiring deals were thought about tradable commodities. They were. They used those tradable commodities to add guys like Gorgie Jang and Justice Winslow, who are guys that can help them. And so now you can move forward with a really set roster rotation 
for at least the next two years, at least the next two and possibly longer. So um, I like that. I like consistency. I like uh, continuity in, in, in an organization. I think it's the, one of the biggest factors for success. And to, to prove that point, all you have to do is go look at San Antonio. Granted, they got very lucky to get Tim Duncan. They also did their homework and took Tony Parker late first round and Manu Ginobili in the second round. Then they built around that. They had a coach and a system that worked. They played it to perfection. And by winning and consistently winning and competing for championships, guys wanted to go play in San Antonio. And I don't know if anybody's ever been there that's been listening, but if you've been to San Antonio, you know it's not New York, it's not L.A., it's not Miami. It's a fine city. It really is. I enjoy my times in San Antonio. I kid around about the Riverwalk being kind of touristy, but there's some great spots in San Antonio. But people aren't going to play in San Antonio because they love the city. They're going to play in San Antonio because they want to play for Greg Popovich and they wanted a chance to win a ring, and he gave them that opportunity by keeping a core group together. And that's what Memphis has a chance to do, in my opinion. Not necessarily repeat the same success that San Antonio's had because that's going to be really difficult for anybody to ever achieve again. 20-plus years in the playoffs and you know numerous 50-win seasons in a row. But you have a chance to have a high level of success with this group. And you look at those teams that have been great over the years, even with LeBron jumping team to team from Cleveland to Miami, back to Cleveland, now to Los Angeles. When he's landed in a spot, he's stayed for a handful of years and built around that. And he's a, di- he's a little bit different. But Golden State has built it through guys they brought through the system and took their lumps with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and then added Draymond Green and then you know were able to go get Kevin Durant because of the influx of money from the television contract. But that's predominantly homegrown talent. And the way they got Kevin Durant was because they were able to make trades. They, they dealt people away that they had drafted to open things up for Curry and Thompson to play. So, um, you know, there's a blueprint for it. Changing your roster over and over and over again and trying to bring players in is not always the way it works because you're, you're, you're playing a chemistry game and sometimes the chemistry doesn't work out. That chemistry experiments fail all the time. It does, it's no different than the NBA. Yeah, and I think for, for NBA fans and Grizzly fans, when it comes to, you know, do we want to be in the lottery or, or make the playoffs and be the eighth seed and, and, and lose, I think you, like, you, you nailed it. You, you want to be in the playoffs because even if we go in there and get swept – John and Jaren get to watch LeBron and Anthony Davis and how they approach the game yeah. in the playoffs and learn from that and do that. And going into this year, we were all like, all right, let's get rid of this pick to Boston this year because the 2021 draft is much stronger. But it doesn't look like we're going to be in the lottery anytime soon again. Like this, That's no. in the past. We, we hit with those two guys, and now that – that's well, not now a concern it's, anymore. Now it's on the front office to you those, use those mid-first-round picks to find guys that can contribute, whether that's starting minutes, whether that's backup minutes. They've done a good job of that previously, the previous regime, with finding a guy like Dylan Brooks. But if you look, um, and they drafted Jaron Jackson, but this group took Brandon Clark later first round. Absolute bona fide contributor. Um, can start if Valanciunas needs a night off or Jaron needs a night off. He feels seemingly feels a little more comfortable coming off the bench, but they get jaw as well. And so guys like Grayson Allen who are taking later first round, finding guys like that that contribute. D'Anthony Melton, a second round pick. Tyus Jones picked in the 20s. Those guys are out there. Now you have to find them. So if you end up giving up the pick, you give up the pick. You move forward. I think they want that clean slate of not having that hanging over their head because it affects how they can maneuver trades as well. And you build, and you just keep building, and, and you've got the two building blocks in terms of the young lottery picks. 
Now you've got other young building blocks as well with Melton, with Jones, who's still very young, Grace Allen, who's still young, Brandon Clark, who's still young. And you have a veteran in the middle in, in, in Jonas Valanciunas, who despite not being really super long in the tooth age-wise, has a lot of NBA experience because he was drafted when he was 18. So um, he sat a year and he played a year over in, in Europe before coming in after being a, a top five selection by the Raptors. But he gained a lot of experience, you know, being a 19, 20-year-old and in Toronto for the first time. And now that experience for a team that made multiple runs to the playoffs, had a problem getting past LeBron James, but had been in those games, that will help you down the road as well. And so, like you said, playing against Anthony Davis and, and LeBron James, to me, is nothing but a, a, an incredible opportunity to grow and, and develop and go play your best basketball and see where you need to improve. The other thing is, I don't know as much about Anthony Davis. LeBron loves talking to younger players. You don't think John Morant would benefit from being able to see LeBron James after the series, after it ends, however it ended, and all being in Orlando and being able to say, hey, can we just sit down and talk for 10 minutes if that's what he wants to do? Or LeBron saying, hey, let's talk when we get back to the hotels. Let's get together and let me tell you what I saw in this series or where you guys can. That's there. That opportunity's there. And LeBron's a guy that likes doing that. He does. He, he, he respects his role as a guy trying to pass the torts eventually the way it was passed to him by Kobe and guys like Michael Jordan. And then Kobe is similar to by guys like Michael Jordan who passed it on to him. So um, there's that kind of thing going on right there too. Does that mean that, uh, that Ja's going to be LeBron James? No, I, I'm not saying that at all. But Ja's got a chance to be very, very special in this league. And he can only benefit from being around the guys who are already special and have been there before and learned from them. Yeah, and so um, the future for Memphis is obviously very bright and exciting. Um, I know uh, you're excited to be up close and, oh, yeah. and see this. Um, playoff experience is, is valuable. Um, that's a lesson that we can learn from this. And in a way, they're going to get that because these first eight games are, are basically playoff games. That's what they are, yeah, and, absolutely. And so if you can if, win four of those games, if you win four of those games, it's hard, to me to, hard for me to fathom that they're not either the eight or the nine. Right. Say we don't make it to face the Lakers in that round, you still had eight games of playoff experience yep. that you that you faced Damian meaningful Lillard, basketball right? games. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And it, the team's only going to grow um, and, and improve going forward because of it. Um, so I'm definitely excited to see that. Eric, anything you want to say before we hop off? No, looking forward to it. Just kind of now waiting to see what the schedule looks like and and when they start and how they open camp and and how this is all going to go down and and hopefully. You know, it'll be something that during this incredibly difficult time for so many people in our country, um, for multiple reasons, obviously, all the things we've seen going on in our in our nation lately. Um, hopefully, you know, the return of sports, the PGA Tours back, boxing's been back, MMA's been back. Um, hopefully, we can get baseball back. Football training camps are going. It can give people an outlet to release some of the the tension and things that have built up over these just crazy, crazy couple of months. Uh, you know, I hope everybody that's tuning into this or listening out there, their families and their loved ones are safe and that you're healthy and, and we keep doing the things we're doing. We're moving forward with this. And, and you know, we're, as, as a people around not only this country, but the entire world, we're pretty, we're, we're, we're pretty perseverant. So I, I think that, um, you know, we're a resilient group and, and it's, it's going to be interesting to see how, we can get it back. And you know what? If we have to go through a time where the fans can't quite come back as quickly as we'd all like to, it will get there. You know, we, we didn't ever fathom an opportunity or a thought of shutting an entire country down 
we got through that. Things are reopening. People's businesses are coming back. People are able to survive. And now if we can keep moving forward and, and you know, learn some lessons from this that, you know, we, we need to be better as people as a whole together as well and, and support one another a little bit better than we have been and, and grow from it, I, I think we become that much stronger. No doubt. I agree. Well, I appreciate your time. Um, I'm, I'm glad we are able to finally get this thing done. Um, for Eric, I am Justin Lewis, and this has been another episode of the 3ND Podcast. the right tools for success. A painter needs their perfect brushes, and a climber needs to be able to rely on their harness. And for your work, you need to stay connected. With Slack, teams can help you work better. Slack is a productivity platform that connects all your team members together instantly. It's built to help your team with a host of features like huddles for quick check-ins and clips for recording and sharing video. Slack also makes it easy to search and find the right information you need. You can even integrate the apps you use in your normal workflow, like your calendar or product management tools, so you stay focused on the work that matters and get more done. Learn more at slack.com slash productivity.